Oh, big time. I mean, Josh is a huge film guy. Um, you know, I had to obviously learn that, you know, coming into the league three or four years ago, whatever, whatever it was. And uh, I mean, it's a great teaching tool because, you know, out, out there on the field, you, you try to see things and, and coach, coach up. And even as players, like we talk about things on, you know, on the field as well. But once you're able to get in a room and sit there and talk about it and, and rewind and fast forward and rewind and fast forward, you can kind of see you know, other things that you may have missed out on the field. So being able to use those as teaching moments um, is huge. You know, I know for my development and I'm sure for others as well. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. You just heard from backup quarterback Jared Stidham right there. Just He met with the media earlier today talking about film study there with Josh McDaniels and how heavily – McDaniels is into the film study. And I'll tell you what, we've been talking about players that we're going to be paying attention to this upcoming week as the Raiders host Minnesota for the second preseason game of the 2022 preseason. Of course, they'll have two more after that, and then uh, they get ready for that September 11th first game of the year going up against the Chargers in L.A. Um, Yeah, I'll say that's a guy that I'm paying attention to, Jarrett Stidham. I thought he did some really good things on Thursday night. Was it perfect? Absolutely not. You know, is there areas that he still needs to continue to grow and develop? Absolutely. You know, there was a couple times where he, you know, we talk about the five sacks that the Raiders gave up on Thursday night. He, you know, put himself into two of them. Like he literally walked into two of them, stepped right into the sack. So uh, even though the offensive line wasn't performing at the level it was supposed to when he got sacked those couple times, he helped them out by, by stepping right into it. So there's things that Jarrett Stidham needs to work on. But I'll tell you what, I like the way he's developing from – the days when training camp first started, and I said, man, he really looks good. And then, well, he's been kind of off the past couple of days. He has put together more consistent days as the backup quarterback than Nick Mullins has. Nick Mullins got picked off twice today during, uh, during practice, uh, which obviously is never a good thing, but they were on, they were on tip drills. Uh, but I just think that Jarrett Stidham has looked like he's a little bit more under control and, and understands what he's supposed to be doing, and he should. Right, I mean, it's not like I'm I'm breaking news. He should understand what um you know what the offense looks like and what it's supposed to look like. Saying that he's been with Josh McDaniels his whole NFL career, and you know, a guy that's going into uh, the final year of his of his career or his his contract, he he is going to want to put his best foot forward, and he's going to want to go out there and perform and do the best he can. And at the very end of the day, at least be prepared and solidify that backup quarterback spot. But I'll say that I do think that we'll see a lot of Jarrett Stidham and Nick Mullins on, on a Sunday against Minnesota, and Jarrett Stidham has a, a big-time opportunity to take another step forward in, in earning that backup job, no doubt about it, like just kind of putting a stranglehold on that backup quarterback position. Coming up at 3.30, we'll be talking to Shereen Williams uh, from Pro Football Talk. But right now, let's go out to the phone lines, talk to our guy, Raider Mack. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, Q. Uh, it's good to uh, hear from you guys, man. Uh I know you guys back in town yet? Yeah, man. Yeah. Okay. Well, Blessed good, to be good, back good. in town. <laughs> I know that trip. I know that trip to Akron because I my son went to Akron, so okay. I know that. I know that. Mm-hmm. I know that trip. He he played football over there. Nice. But hey, hey. Um, here, here's a couple of things. Um, uh, and uh, the first thing is on uh, Trayvon Mullen. Yeah. The corner. Yep. Uh, is is this? So he's back on the field. Is that what? No, what they not say? yet. No, not yet. Okay. So okay. See, and this is what I mean. The same thing you said. I don't think he's that good to start. I think the guys that we got starting right now are better. 
but that's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't see that. Hey, and also I did want to want to say about the, the the defense. The defense looked good. Uh, they did look good, even though it was against some some um, second string and third string guys. I, yeah. I still you still got to go out there and play. And um, also, do, uh, are you going to do anything with Barnwell from ESPN? Bill Barnwell. Do, Bill Barnwell, do you got? Do, are you going to get him on the show? Yeah, every once in a while I have him on. Yeah. Okay, you get that guy on the show, man. I, this is why Raider Nation, and I know you say there's a lot of people say good things, but for every time he writes something, it's, it's never nothing positive with the Raiders. Now you tell me, he's got. I don't know if you saw it, but no, I haven't. He's got his 14 Super Bowl contenders, and do you know he has the Chargers, uh, Denver, Kansas City. And the rest of these teams that's in there that we beat, right? And I know every year is different, but that that's showing us no respect. So he has a thing called for NFL teams appeals for the fourteen Super Bowl contenders. Yeah, and he has all these contenders, and we're not even in there. Why? It, it, I don't know what to say, but I know one thing: we are a contender. It ain't like years past, but I think we're gonna be okay on both sides of the ball, but. Um, I just want – this is why Raider Nation don't respect the East Coast. And I know you – I know you do some work for ESPN, so I, I ain't trying to get you in trouble or anything like that. No, all's I'm good. All's you good. Right now, and I know you call it as you see it. There's no way the Raiders are not a contender uh, for the Super Bowl. Come on, man. That's just ridiculous. And he got Cleveland in there too. So <laughs> we'll see. You tell me your opinion, and and we go from there. All right. Hey, thank you for the call, and I'll do that in just a little bit because joining us now on the phone, the Lions for Pro Football Talk, the Hall of Famer herself, Shereen Williams. And, Shereen, thanks so much for your time this afternoon, and it was great to catch up with you and see you at the Hall of Fame on Saturday. And as a Hall of Famer yourself, how cool is that to go back and see those, those enshrinement ceremonies each and every year and just see the guys that were great on the field kind of open themselves up and let you know their story off the field? Oh, man, it's one of my favorite weekends of the entire year just to see all those Hall of Famers. They had a record 109 Hall of Famers coming to town this year, and that doesn't include representatives from some of those who have passed away. And so... Uh, just a really cool weekend, and just your eyes get big when, you know, Terrell Owens walks by here, and yes, he was there this weekend, and uh, Cliff Harris walks by here, and, and uh, you see just one after the other. It's just a pretty cool experience, and then to see those guys go in and how much it means to them, and for all of them who say, oh, I don't want to be in the Hall of Fame anymore, I didn't get in on first ballot, forget it, and then they get there, and they realize just what a special, special time it is, and pretty cool yeah no it really is and seeing all that greatness and being around it and walking around the bus room and of course your name is on the wall john mcclain your good buddy he's his name is on the wall that's got to be pretty special for you as well just to have your name up there with all that greatness well, always go check and just make sure that there's no graffiti or they didn't have a voting <laughs> here and took it off of there you know just make sure it's still there it was still there so yeah it's uh it, it was pretty- did we lose her shereen you're there well, we'll try to 
reconnect with Shireen. Uh, sound like she might have been hit a hit a rough spot with the cell coverage, but you know that happens all the time. So uh, we'll catch up with her in just a few minutes. But yeah, just I can imagine uh, how cool that would be to go in there and see your name on the wall of the Hall of Fame, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, for someone that's been covering the game as long as her, or someone like John McClain have been covering the game. It's just pretty amazing, pretty awesome. So we'll catch up with her in a few minutes. Let me go back to Raider Max' question about uh, just – the, the Bill Barnwell piece on ESPN. And at some point I'll, I'll catch up with him uh, and we'll try to get him on to talk about it and break it down. I mean, I guess to put it in a nutshell, just probably talking about the quarterbacks. The quarterbacks are probably what, uh, what give them the nod. But we'll get to that conversation just a little bit. Again, joining us now on the phone lines is Shereen Williams. And Shereen, thanks for uh, rejoining with us. Sorry, I had a little bit of cell issues there. But uh, as a Hall of Fame voter, how difficult is it when it becomes a logjam and you have to start comparing eras? You know, you have to compare the, the younger guys that have these all monstrous numbers to guys in the past like a Cliff Branch whose numbers don't look the same because the style of ball wasn't the same. Yeah, it makes it a little easier because he was a senior candidate. I'll tell you when it gets hard is when you have like that logjam that we had at receiver for the longest time where it was Chris Carter, Andre Reed, and who was the third? Reggie Wayne. Who was the third guy? And you just have that log jam of when are these guys going to go in and everybody has their favorite and everybody's voting for one or the other, you know, um, and arguing for the other. And you just can't break that log jam because they're all splitting votes. That, to me, is the hardest thing um, when you get those log jams at positions. And so we finally broke that and and, uh, the receivers got in and, and, you know, so – Hopefully we don't have that log jam coming up with, with DeMarcus Ware and Dwight Freeney and some of these pass rushers uh, who are coming in. I was stunned last year when, when DeMarcus Ware didn't go in as a, as a first ballot guy. I really thought he was, and, mm-hmm. and there was no arguments against him, and, and uh, to not have him go in was, was pretty stunning to me. Yeah, no, it was, and again, it's so difficult because, again, we're talking about greatness. You're talking about players that played at the highest level on the highest game in, in the NFL, and, of course, we were there to celebrate Cliff Branch going in, also uh, Richard Seymour to uh, salute him to go in, but with Cliff Branch getting in, you, you've been covering the game for long enough. What did he mean to the NFL? How did he help kind of change it, him and Bullet Bob Hayes going, you know, changing, making that vertical game? Yeah, you know, and, and speed kills, and, and that's exactly what it was with both of those guys, and, and they showed that, and it was just really cool to see him uh, finally get his due. And we've seen a lot of the guys uh, of that era of the of the 70s finally get their due, you know, the Cliff Branches, and, and we, we've seen two others go in uh, here in recent years, and Harold Carmichael and Drew Pearson, and they all waited way longer than they should have, and it's always unfortunate to me with Ken Saber and Cliff Branch being two examples of guys who didn't get to know that, that they made the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And it's just truly unfortunate when guys pass uh, before their time finally comes. And that's why you like to see these guys get their due uh, while they're still alive and while they can still enjoy it and know that, that that's their final resting place. is in Canton and their bus is going to be there forever. And, and if the bus truly talk to each other, like John Nunn says, then they're going to have some pretty cool conversations uh in that room for for a really long time so you know that that's the only thing i really regretted about cliff branch is that it took too long uh for him to go in because he certainly was deserving and uh his sister did a a great presentation for him and um and i just wish it had been his presentation to get up there and make it 
Yeah, and he would have done a heck of a job. That would have been uh, just a great speech, and it was it was it was great seeing Elaine give that speech, and then the party yeah. that Mark Davis threw uh, later that evening yeah. was, was fantastic. Diana Ross was there, Shireen. <laughs> I heard. Yeah. I was at Bryant Young's, and it was Boys to Men at that one. But yeah, I heard. I missed. I love Diana Ross. I would love to have been at that one. Wow, Boys to Men. That's pretty impressive as well. I like that. I remember Jerry Jones had Justin Timberlake. I thought that that was yeah. uh, one of the better ones as well. Now, with Cliff Branch going in, uh, that uh, makes like seven or eight officially from you know a certain uh, Raiders team you know that are on offense that made it into the Hall of Fame. Does, I mean, does it ever just kind of take a step back and say, wow, that team was that incredible that they have seven or eight Hall of Famers just on offense? Yeah, and, you know, I still think Lester Hayes is missing from, from that group. It still needs to go in, and, and what people will start to argue is, well, for the number of Super Bowls they won, you know, they have enough guys in there, but, you know, it's the same with the Cowboys. With the number of Super Bowls they won, they have enough in there, but I would argue that, you know, the, the Steelers were just truly one of the greatest teams of all time, the, the, truly one of the greatest dynasties of all time, and, and they prevented both of those, Cowboys and Raiders, from, from winning more Super Bowls. And so when you have a super team like that, you know, maybe you shouldn't hold that against some other teams. And I think the Raiders and Cowboys, if they had played in any other era, would have won more Super Bowls than what they did. But I still think their players are worthy. And they still have more players who are worthy. And Lester Hayes is one I would point to yeah. as being left out. And I hope that his name comes up. He's not on the seniors finalist list this year. Uh, on those 12, and I hope that at some point he gets his due as a guy because I still think he is deserving of the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about Lester Hayes. Of course, he uh, went to Texas A&M. You know a little something-something about Texas A&M, yeah. Giga Maggies. But uh, what what are your thoughts on Lester? What do you think is going to have to happen for him to make it? Obviously, like you said, not next year, but maybe the next year after that. Yeah, you know, it's a good question, and I think it's probably the biggest thing is just overcoming that, oh, there's so many Raiders in the Hall of Fame now, we're just putting Cliff Branch. It's getting kind of over that, and it may take some time now to clear that hurdle to where you go back and, and look at his career. It's going to help that three seniors go in every year, so there's 12 finalists, and three of those will be on the final ballot, and surely we'll, we'll get into the Hall of Fame, I would hope would be voted in. They have to get 80% once they're on the final ballot. But if you have three per year, that increases his odds of going in uh, in future years. So I hope people don't forget Lester Hayes and, and how good he was, and I hope that they don't say, well, it all had to do with the Sikkim, because he was truly a great player. Sikkim, no Sikkim, it didn't matter. Uh, but those photos of him, uh, I still remember the Sikkim just dripping from everywhere. Helmet, <laughs> pass, jersey, everywhere, just Pick him everywhere, but uh, he truly was one of the, the great players in this league. I'll tell you what, Lester Hayes goes into the Hall of Fame. There's got to be some stickum goes into the Hall of Fame with him, right? <laughs> yes, no question. <laughs> We're talking right now with the Hall of Famer herself, Shereen Williams, here on Unnecessary Roughness Radio Nation Radio 920. My man Devon's got one for you. Yeah, Shereen, when it comes to Hall of Fame voting, do you think that there needs to be a change to the system, whether it be more voters or expanding class sizes that the Hall of Fame can fix when it comes to Hall of Fame voting? Well, they've, they've tried to fix, they've done, tweaked the, the seniors category, so there'll now be three going in, and so I think that's the tweak that, that we'll see over the next few years and see how that goes. The more voters you get on there, the longer it's going to take. I mean, we're already at eight or nine hours now of, of meeting. We have a unique system where we, you aren't just sent a ballot and just vote your, on the ballot and send it in and say, this is my finalist. I mean, you're in that talking on a now it's a zoom call i started to say in the room because you see it would be in a room but now it's it's on a zoom call 
And I just think if you get beyond 48, you know, we may be talking 12, 15 hours, and, and at some point it's just too much. But I like the system that we have um, where you spend a lot of time talking about the guys and debating, and, and you could just feel momentum in that room at times. Um, Ralph Wilson is a good example of that. I didn't know Ralph Wilson would go in. I don't think anybody did the year that that, uh, that that he got in, and you could just feel the momentum build for Ralph Wilson. Same with T.O. the third year he was eligible. You could just feel the momentum build with T.O. Um, and I know Therese uh, Pryor's speech has been well talked about since his passing, and, and it was. He made a, a really great speech that year on how much T.O. meant uh, to the minority community and, and how big he was um, and, and that it was time for him to go in, and, and he went in. And you could just feel that momentum build in the room. So, you know, I like that aspect of it where we're actually talking about guys and you feel the momentum and you get some feedback. Now, I got no negative feedback on DeMarcus Ware, so I don't know why he didn't get in other than maybe people just didn't feel like he was a first ballot guy. So that's when you start to second guess a little bit on on why didn't my guy go in because I got no negative feedback and and yet I truly felt like he should have been in in the Hall of Fame. So, um, but I do like our system. I'll be interested to see how this plays out with the three seniors now and the coaches and contributors now are combined. I'm actually presenting Dan Reeves, so we have 12 finalists in that coaching contributor category. Um, and don't know if people are going to lean toward coaches. They're going to lean toward contributors. Is it going to go back and forth? So I'll be interested to see how that plays out. I want to see how this system works for the next few years, and then uh, I'm sure they'll tweak it some more if they need to. Talking to Shereen Williams here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Now, Shereen, the Raiders played on Thursday. They played the Hall of Fame game. Josh McDaniels makes his coaching debut uh, with the Raiders. It's his second time being a head coach in the league. As a, as a person who's been covering the league as long as you have, what are you looking for in early preseason games like like the first one where you know you're not going to see a lot of starters? Yeah, I don't know that you look for a whole lot, and I don't know that you can get a whole lot out of it. And, you know, Jason Garrett said before the game, and, and he made a great point, that when you have a quarterback who's been in the system for a long time, that that quarterback and that team is going to look a lot better than, than the guys on the other side. And that's what we saw with the Jarrett Stidham who's been in Josh McDaniel's system for a long time, and that's what you should have seen, and, and you saw it. And, you know, to me, the only thing that stood out in that game was Josh Jacobs and, and the fact that he played and how he played, thought he played really well. Um, that's the only thing really that I got out of that game was, okay, hmm, why did he play? Uh, are they are they trying to showcase him and say, hey, give us a call, without saying, hey, give us a call? And I know what Josh McDaniels has said, but it was unusual for Josh Jacobs a starter like that to play in the first preseason game when the other guys don't play. So that kind of stood out to me. But honestly, you know, I don't know that you get a ton out of out of these preseason games just watching it from afar. The coaches get far more out of it, especially with those guys on the bottom of the roster than, than we get out of it uh, just watching these games. But I will be interested now in, in some of these games coming up, especially the second week of seeing some of the starters play and how they do in the first quarter of action a week from now. What do you think the expectations should be for head coach Josh McDaniels, who inherited a team that went to the playoffs, even though it was it was a bizarre season, as you very well know. Your yeah. good friend Rich Masaccia was able to get him to the playoffs. So what should be the the expectations for Josh McDaniels this year? I would be surprised if they don't compete for the division title with the, the coaching that they have now and, and the way they've upgraded their roster. I mean, to me, they have a roster that should compete 
for the division title. And so I would expect them to be right there. When I look at the Chiefs, they're the one team to me in the division that didn't upgrade this offseason. In fact, when I look at their roster, I don't see it nearly as good as what it was to end last season. I mean, when you lose a Tyree Kill, come on. That hurts a lot, and so I, I would look at, at the Raiders perhaps as being the best team in the division, and frankly, if I had to do it today, and, and I don't have to do it today, but if I did, I probably would pick the Raiders uh, to win that division uh, over the Chiefs um, heading into the offseason, but uh, heading into to the first preseason, first real preseason game, I know we had the Hall of Fame game, but week one of the preseason, as it were, so I, that's who I would pick, and it all now to me rests on Derek Carr's shoulders. How is he going to play? If he plays well, I think this is a team you're going to see not only compete for the division title, but win the division title and have a chance to do something special in the postseason. Before I let you go, Shereen, I did want to ask about Justin Herbert with the Chargers. Uh, he's been getting a ton of love uh, for good reasons. He looks like he's going to be a fantastic quarterback for years to come. But do you think that at some point maybe we're giving him too much props too soon? Well, we got to see the playoff win. And right. we haven't even seen him reach the playoffs yet, and that's the thing that's missing. Pro Bowl started last year, but you got to get your team to the postseason. And he played great in that Raiders regular season finale that decided who was moving on. He played great. He couldn't have played any better. But, you know, some other games, you look back and, you know, they were one game away from from going to the postseason. So some of those plays that he didn't make, he's got to be able to make. So he's got to take that next step, and Staley's got to take that next step. If not, you know, you could see Sean Payton in there next year or somebody else. Um, They could move on because, you know, if a guy doesn't make the, the postseason is that good of a quarterback in three years, something's wrong, and you got to figure out what it is. And they've made a lot of upgrades, obviously, to that to that team. So making the playoffs and then winning a playoff game is the next step for him. And until he does that, yeah, I think you're looking at him and going, "Hey, he's a really good quarterback. He's done some really good things, but he's got to get his team to the playoffs, and he's got to win playoff games." Right, I agree 100%. That's what I've been kind of talking about quite a bit here on uh, Raider Nation Radio 920. Well, Shereen, great stuff as always. Again, it was fantastic to run into you and see you at the Hall of Fame. You got anything coming out that we should be on the lookout for that you be put, uh, you might be posting on Pro Football Talk? No, I, you know, I think just with the Hall of Fame, we'll look over the next two weeks. The seniors will be voted on next, next week, so we'll have three finalists who will be on the final ballot. And then the week after that will be the coaching contributor, one of those. We'll come out of that, and, and we'll see who that is. Could be Robert Kraft, could be Buddy Parker, could be a lot of different guys. You know, Mike Shanahan, uh, Mike Holmberg, a lot of guys on that list, Dan Reeves, who I'll be presenting. So I think that's what you look for over the next two weeks is in regards to the Hall of Fame anyway. All right, sounds good. And we all know football season's right around the corner, so buckle up. Should be Thank a fun you. one. <laughs> Thanks, Shereen. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. There she goes. The Hall of Famer herself, Shereen Williams from Pro Football Talk, does a fantastic job. You can find her on Twitter at NFL Shereen and with us here on Radio Nation Radio 920. And, yeah, man, it is that time. The heat is up, right? It is football time again. Excited about that. Got a lot of stuff in the works here on Radio Nation Radio 920. A lot of opportunities for us to be out and about in the community. Uh, you'll catch me and DeMond. We'll be doing some shows uh, leading into some of these preseason games. I mean, we're going to be as busy as we can be. We'll tell you more, more about that a little bit later on in the week. 3.47 is the time. When we come back, we'll close out hour number two of the show. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy, Q. Coming up at the top of the hour, we'll hear from head coach Josh McDaniels. He had his media session this morning about 8.30. Uh, we'll just have a couple sound bites that we'll bring to you 
that I found to be pretty interesting and pretty intriguing. And again, it's been uh, great to hear Josh McDaniels give us explanations of this, that, and the other, or break down plays or break down players. Uh, it's just been it's been a good experience. And as I mentioned before, he ever started. I said we're all going to get to know uh, him. We're going to get to know GM Dave Ziegler. We're going to get to know this new staff and regime. And right now, I like how everything's rolling. Uh, they've been pretty consistent when it comes to uh, as soon as practice is over and coaches come out and when they're scheduled to talk, they come out and talk. You know, when players are scheduled to talk, they come out and talk. You know, today we talked to Jared Stidham. Uh, we talked to Zamir White. We talked to Frank Ocam, the defensive line coach. Uh, you know, and obviously we talked to Josh McDaniels early in the day. So uh, coming up about 4 o'clock, we'll uh, hear some sound bites from Josh McDaniels. Tomorrow, I, I haven't asked you yet. Are you a big Little League baseball fan? Were you big at Little League? Well, you're not big now, but were you big at Little League uh, ever? Like, were you a big Little League guy? Uh, No, I never played Little League baseball. I got hit in the face with a baseball one time at a family softball game, and I said, get this sport away from me. Okay, so was the ball coming at you like high speed, or was it slow because you said softball? Uh, no, I was just getting a little grounder. I guess I you would say I was playing shortstop. Yeah, I was at shortstop, and it's just a little grounder. <laughs> that joke writes itself. I'm not yeah. even going to go there. <laughs> yeah, so the grounder, you know, short, you know, a routine play. Yep, I yep. think I'm Derek Jeter. Just no problem. I got it. <laughs> it goes straight up the glove, rolls up my arm, yeah. boop, right in the face. Oh, and man. And I was like, I'm done. Okay, okay. Well, I thought when you said you got hit in the face, I thought you meant like a pitcher threw the ball and it hit you. So I And it's funny because I was going to say, wow, what a coincidence. I'm watching the Little League World Series uh, right now on ESPN, and I don't know, I get I get intrigued by this. Like when it comes on, I'm, I'm excited. I'm happy about that. I enjoy watching Little League baseball. But, man, right now North, uh, Northern California is playing Hawaii. It's 3-3 in the top of the fifth. There's been so many batters that have been hit by pitches, and I'm not sure – if that's something that has always happened in Little League Baseball. But, Doc, these guys are taking them right off the dome. They're taking them off the belly. They're, I mean, they are getting drilled. One guy just got hit in the leg, and he, like, limped all the way to first base. I mean, and I don't mean to laugh at him. I'm laughing with them. But they are getting drilled. But it is one of my favorite events every year is Little League World Series because this is at the time, unless you're Danny Almonte, and anyone who's a little bit older understands who Danny Almonte is. He's the guy who said he was a certain age when he really wasn't. He was much older, so he could be a dominating player. But this is when you see guys you know, that are just out there having fun. And, yeah, they want to win, but they're have, out there having fun. And, uh, you know, just – just a uh, you know a good time and, and what it really means and so I, I enjoy watching these. Every once in a while, you'll see a player that's uh, you know really good that you can say, oh, I bet you he's going to be great later on. Remember, um, I don't know if you remember a couple was it a year ago, maybe two years ago when they had that one guy that was like, hey, my name's Big Al and, and I, I hit, hit dingers. dingers. Yeah, remember that came from that. Remember that was that was. Uh, yeah, I remember that. You remember that Chicago team where they had to take the trophy away from them? No, what did oh, they do? It was basically like this. They formed a super little league team, I guess. Oh. Like the addresses weren't matching oh, and stuff. No. And it's, hey, man, come on. Oh, no. It's little, they were still in the same state, at least. Right. You know, wow. but man, they were so irreverent for Illinois. And I don't want I think they won the whole thing. And then it was just like, hey, guys, uh, gonna have to take that back a little bit. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I that forgot. Was a few years back. And I hate that I forget because we're on a show that I shouldn't forget, but I forget. Uh, who the young lady was that was a pitcher. Remember how fantastic she was? Monet Davis. I think yes, thank you. There you go. Come through in the clutch. She was fun to watch. So that's why I enjoy what because there's like these storylines, they write themselves, right? I mean, they're just, again, they're kids that are, for the most part, innocent, except for the teams that are trying to form super teams or the Danny Almontes that are, you know, 
18 years old and saying that they're 14 or whatever, however old he was. Uh, but that dude, you want to talk about a monster. That dude was – he. you couldn't hit him for good reasons. I mean, he was much older. But still, I was like, damn, I want to see Danny Almonte pitch again. Uh, that's a name that I'll never forget. But there's always so many different little storylines from the Little League World Series. So I, I, I'm kind of – uh, into it when they're playing. So that's what I'm watching right now at the home studio. And uh, I just seen so many batters get hit. And there was a game that was on earlier before this one uh, out of West Texas. And the Texas team lost. I think it was West Texas versus Oklahoma. And Oklahoma moved on and beat West Texas. So uh, that's a – I don't want to say it's a real rivalry, but it's a somewhat rivalry because they're somewhat close to each other, West Texas and Oklahoma. But, uh, yeah, there you go. That's that's a, that's the update on the Little League World Series. So I guess I'll continue to update you on that throughout the course of uh, the show as well. I just got an update. We're going to have to push uh, Josh McDaniel's sound bites up to about, or back to about 415, 420, and that's okay because we'll have Jeff Howe from The Athletic. He's going to join us uh, to start off the next hour. So there you go. We pushed him back basically an hour, and that's all good. But we'll talk about GM Dave Ziegler. We'll talk about head coach Josh McDaniels and the piece that Jeff put out on The Athletic last week that I thought was really intriguing, really good, kind of takes you behind the scenes on what these two gentlemen are thinking about as they put together this 2022 Raiders roster. 3.56 is the time. Jeff Howe will join us to start hour number three. It's Raider Nation Radio 920.